Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And on this Saturday morning, I am joined by Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. You can find her hanging out at the Landscape (laughs) Arboretum, among other places, and the abiders, too. We'll get to that. Julie, good morning. Good morning, Denny. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. I hope you are, too. <laughs> it's kind of hard to believe these uh, temperatures uh, I know. with uh, near 80. I know some thermometers will hit 80 uh, today. Yes. And what does that do to our shrubs and plants and flowers and uh, things like that? I, I know a lot of folks, including me, will be doing a lot of watering, as I have been, yeah. uh, lately, taking advantage of this. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think that it doesn't look like we're going to get that rain now, at least around the metro area that we were talking about earlier this week. So, yeah, the heat, you know, the temperatures are temporary. They're only going to be in the 70s today and tomorrow, and then they start to be a bit more seasonal, it looks like, in the 50s through the next 10 days or so. And um, the important thing to do, watering, yes, absolutely. It's definitely, you can still be planting things like bulbs, and I'm going to be planting bulbs and garlic today. And uh, and so you can still be doing things like that. Um, you know, we used to really clean up our landscapes. We used yeah. to rake up all the leaves, and we'd bag them up and haul them off. But nowadays, uh, we're really recommending that people not be quite so tidy in their landscapes and that they leave the leaves for the overwintering insects and uh, primarily things like queen bees that live through the winter and hibernate uh, underneath those leaves. And then also those leaves break down and add carbon to your soil and act as a mulch. And you're, you know, it's kind of a cool closed loop because you're using the leaves from your trees, putting them back into your soil, which feeds your plants and feeds your trees and produces more leaves. And so it's a nice way to, uh, to just retain things uh, on your property and then also be enhancing the soil. That's so important. I've been trying to do that very thing just the other day, as a matter of fact, instead of bagging, you know, grass clippings and and along with the leaves. But is there a point where if you do have a lot of trees and consequently a lot of leaves, I mean, you can't really leave a foot or two of leaves on your lawn, right? No, you would not want to do that. And our lawn, you know, lawn experts would say, you know, don't do that. But you can certainly mow up, you know, some of the leaves. If you have a scattering of leaves, you can mow those up and just drop them back onto your lawn. If you have a lot of leaves, if you're really knee deep in leaves, uh, then you would want to definitely bag those up and, and take them to a, um, uh, a yard waste site 
and uh, dispose of them that way. What you don't want to do is you do not want to be blowing leaves or grass clippings into your gutters. The leaves will go down, uh, will carry phosphorus and other chemicals and pollutants down into our waterways and pollute our waterways. And we all want to have the the cleanest water possible in our lakes and streams and our aquifers as well. So, uh, so be sure to not, you know, bag up your leaves, get them out of the street and, um, or put them back into your yard. You can compost them also, of course. Yeah, very good. By the way, if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, and we already uh, are, are already getting those via the text, you can call Julie or you can text Julie. Either one, here's the number, 651-461-9226. This, as you know, is a very busy hour for both phone calls and texts, yes. so don't wait. You can ask Julie those questions right away, 651-461-9226. Uh, here's one that comes from Bev from Invergrove. Can I cut down my geraniums and put them in bags now, or should I wait a while? Well, I think uh, I'm not sure about putting them in bags. I'm guessing she is overwintering her geraniums. So uh, geraniums, yes, are our, our seed geraniums. These are your annual geraniums. You can either uh, move the pots into uh, or the plants into a dark space and just cut them back a little bit, you know, and put them in that dark space and then overwinter them that way. Uh, Give them a little water, maybe once a month, check on them. In the spring uh, or late winter, you can go ahead and take those plants out, pot them up, and then put them into uh, a sunny window and water them and kind of get a good head start. And People keep geraniums for many, many years that way. Uh, My geraniums are in pots. They go into our garage, which is 45 degrees. And they're just tucked under a picnic table that's in there. And I water them. I check them once in a while and then take them out in the late winter, early spring when it's sunny in the, and put them in a sunny window. So you wow. We, you have, we have you, a, we have a website on how to overwinter geraniums too. I was going to say, so, I was so going to say you actually have, you actually have room for a picnic table in your garage. We do. <laughs> Most people would love like me. It'd useful. be great to have a car in there. Um, <laughs> I was uh, looking at, I know we have to break here momentarily, but uh, somebody wants to know, what's the best way to get rid of crabgrass now? Is that is this the time or is it spring? Well, you can spot treat the crabgrass now. Um, crabgrass is an annual, and so the seed that it produces uh, now will be your plants next year. So one of the key areas of crabgrass is to prevent the seed from being uh being exposed to sunlight. Sunlight will germinate that seed. So keeping your lawn longer when you mow it, we talk about that a lot on the show, uh, three and a half inches, set your mower really high. And uh, so next spring, as you're cutting your lawn, you know, keep that grass high and that will help to shade those weed seeds and reduce your crabgrass issues along with other annual seeds. But right now you would want to spot treat those with, um, with a, 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 non-selective herbicide, something like a, a glyphosate triclopyr combination. How do you, here's a listener text, how do you tell if Brussels sprouts got frozen in the garden and do they continue to grow after that? You know I that? I think Brussels sprouts, uh, like cabbage actually, and kale get better as they, as they get some cold. Hmm. So um, usually when something, a, a vegetable or a fruit has frozen and rethawed, it gets mushy. And pretty, you know, not very tasty. And so I think I would, you know, take one off of your 
plant and cut it open and take a bite and see how it looks and you'll know whether you can eat them or not. I do I want to back up to the crabgrass question because oh, sure. I'm hearing I'm hearing my turf people in my head saying these are annuals now the the um the crabgrass and so they are not going to produce any more seed at this point so you can they are not going to grow back those particular plants. What you're going to be worried about is the seed next year. And a pre-emergent would be something to put down on your lawn as well in those areas where you've had crabgrass to prevent those annual seeds from from germinating. So I'm going to step back. Don't treat them at this point because they're annuals and they're going to die anyway. So. And I know, as you know, Julie, we'll, at this point we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll get questions about dormant seeding, right? Right, right. And if you're going to dormant seed, don't put down weed and feed. Yes, that like is that. that is correct. Yeah, so you don't want to put down anything that's going to interfere with the germination of your grass seed. Yeah. So there so you I have see. to make a decision. And uh, and that grass seed is going to lie dormant through the winter. So then in that case, you would not put a pre-emergent down where that grass seed was put down. This would be a good point as we head to the break, Julie, about telling folks about the University of Minnesota website. And you can, among other things, find a great lawn program there. Yes, absolutely. We have uh, our website is extension.umn.edu. We are under yard and garden, and we have a great home lawn care newsletter that you can subscribe to. That's written by our turf experts in our turf program, and it, it I read it every time it comes out. I think it comes out once a month. It's great, great information specifically written for the home lawn owner. Excellent. And again, check it out uh, for whatever reason, uh, extension.umn.edu. All right, Julie, hang on. We'll uh, take a quick break. Uh, You can uh, call Julie if you have a lawn or garden question or text Julie, 651-461-9226. It's a Saturday morning on CCO here on News Talk 830 WCCO. What's happening right now on 830 WCCO is our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here along with Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota answering those lawn and garden questions, of which there are many, as usual, (laughs) here on uh, CCO every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. (laughs) Um, Julie, uh, where do we even begin here? Well, I'll begin where we left off, I guess, is the... um, I'm going to leave the the lawn question for a little bit later because we kind of covered okay. some of that, and this is kind of all-encompassing. So here's another one, though. Would you mar- right. uh, mulch your garlic with leaves or with straw? Thank you. Love the show. Uh, you could do either one. So, uh, you want clean straw, so clean straw is seedless straw because you don't want a lot of wheat growing up with your garlic. But you could do either. You could do straw or leaves, whatever is convenient. Speaking of leaves... You talked about the leaves. How about pine needles? We have a lot of those on the ground. Pine needles are great. They allow air and water to flow through easily, and they knit together. So, yes, great mulch. Looks beautiful, too. And for those who maybe joined us a little bit later, uh, this texter says, the, the weather is supposed to be great this weekend. Is there anything that we should be putting on our lawns to prepare for next year at this point, like fertilizer, weed control, grass seed, insect control, or anything else? Or should we just leave things alone and wait till spring? <laughs> I think at this point you might want to uh, just, you know, you might, it might be time to mow your lawn. You could still do that. Water your lawn. Um, I would hold off putting anything more on your lawn at this point um, and just go ahead and, and wait for dormant seeding in November if that's something you plan to do. And that was another thing they questioned and that you mentioned is how, how should we mow our grass? Mm-hmm. So uh, 
the the last time you mow your grass for the season, you should mow it down at two inches because you want to minimize snow mold damage. Snow mold builds up in humidity when there's long grass and it it folds over on itself and creates this kind of humid environment. And then also voles uh, like to be hidden in long grass. So cutting it at two inches uh, the last time you cut it for the season, that also opens up uh, more soil to seed contact when you put down your dormant seeding. Okay, very good. 651-461-9226. That number will get you a a text or a phone call for Julie. Uh, Let's see. We're on a great show. Thank you very much. What's the best way to overwinter dahlia bulbs? So I'm not a dahlia expert, but uh, digging them up and then storing them, cleaning off the soil, um, letting them cure, I believe, so leaving them out in the air, uh, and then putting them in a bag, marking the bag with the name of the dahlia variety, so you remember <laughs> next year, and then keeping them in a you know 55 to you know a degree basement or a heated garage or someplace where they're not going to freeze, and uh, and then planting them up, potting them up in the spring, um, early spring or late winter, and then you know getting them going uh, so that you can have some nice plants when you put them out as a way to do it. You can also put the put the dahlia bulbs right in the ground too in the spring. But some people like to pot them up if they have room uh, early on indoors and then get them get them going before they get outside. So I've heard it both sides. Okay. Here's another text, Julie. Good morning. It says, your garden show is awesome. Thank you. You're awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, the question is, should I remove my leaves? I know what you're going to say about this. On my hostas, and should I cut the dead hosta leaves now or in the spring? I know what you do. Yeah, so you can uh, you can do either with the hostas. I leave my hostas. By this time, I'm kind of tired of cutting stuff down like that. Yeah. But, but those leaves also protect the crowns of the hostas, so they act kind of like a, a mulch. They're mulching themselves. And then I would leave the leaves on the on the plants at this point. In the spring, when you start to see those hostas come up, you can clean them up. You can cut off the dead leaves and then go ahead and uh, and just push the leaves aside to allow the plants to emerge. Okay. Uh, let's see. Here's another one. The deer have eaten the bark off one side of my newly planted tree. Mm, we covered the trunk with plastic sleeves, but is there anything we should put on the raw bark? Oh, boy. That's going to be a tough tree. Um, you did the right thing by protecting it with the guards. Uh, making sure that it's as stress-free as possible, so watering it, especially now. Uh, continue to water it up until you can't water anymore. In other words, you have to turn your water spigots off or the ground freezes or both. And uh, and then in the spring, really keeping an eye on that. What happens is when animals chew through the, the bark, especially on a young tree or a thin bark tree, they can chew into the uh, the layer of, uh, of the tree, the cambium layer, where the vessels are. It's the vascular system of the tree, and it, it carries nutrients from and water from the roots up into the rest of the plant and then photosynthates or energy or sugars down from the leaves into the rest of the plants down to the roots. So you interfere with that. When the animal eats through that, they girdle the plant, interfering with that and cutting off those, those uh, vessels. So you want to really look at it. There's nothing you can really do. You want to hope that the tree will heal itself over. Uh, but again, fencing it would be a good idea too. If you do have deer issues, is putting a fence around your your smaller, younger plants 
to protect them from this kind of damage. And uh, the tree guards are a good idea too, but uh, I would suggest fencing it. So you want to put at least a oh, pretty high fence around that, that tree. I'm not sure how tall it is, but to keep those deer out from, uh, from feeding on it again. And that's really all you can do at this point. And those deer can jump. Holy they, Yeah, they can Woo. jump, and they can also, uh, if the fence is high enough and it's narrow enough, they can't get in there. But um, right. But that's a, yeah, that's a tough situation, and you just have to keep an eye on that tree. You may lose the tree and may have to replant something. Julie, we're going to take a break here and uh, look at that forecast as we always do. And when we come back, let's talk about the Arboretum. So many good things happening at the Arboretum. So let's uh, do that after the break, and we'll have a look at that forecast straight ahead here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast and good morning welcome back to our smart garden show here every saturday on cco in the eight o'clock hour thanks to good folks like julie weisenhorn from the university of minnesota taking the time to answer all of your lawn and garden questions this morning either by phone or by text Six five one four six one nine two two six. We'll get back to more more of the leaves and other lawn and garden questions, Julie. But I wanted to talk a little bit about the arboretum, which is I'd love to go to the arboretum. I am a member there, and Excellent. but this this must be I don't know this might be my favorite time of year to get out there. 
This is a great time of year to be out there. I, you know, I, boy, if somebody said, what's your favorite time of the year at the Arboretum? I would be hard pressed to choose just one. Yeah. Uh, right now we have our huge scarecrow exhibit, which have <laughs> these scarecrows were, some were devised by our staff on teams and some came from Bachman's. And they are so much fun to walk around and look at how creative people are and how they've reused things like old pots and pans and curtains and fruits and vegetables, all sorts of seeds and feathers and ah, grasses, all sorts of things to make these funny, funny scarecrows. And of course, we have a a bazillion pumpkins and gourds and... Uh, all sorts of um, uh, great color. So, and certainly then the leaf color is is great. It's not quite as, I think it's kind of crossed its peak a little bit, but when you get out into the collections, like the um, the maple collections and things, you see a lot, of, a lot of the color there. But really just beautiful out there. And boy, the, this weekend, I think it's going to be packed because it is um, such a perfect day. You know, going to be a couple of really nice days oh, to be yeah. outside. You do need a reservation, so go on arb.umn.edu. And members, don't pay for that reservation. Just pick the time and day you want to be there. Uh, if you're not a member, uh, you might want to consider becoming a member. And, and the fee that you pay to get in can then be applied toward your membership when you get there. So just yeah. lots of things to do. And our tickets for Winter Lights, which is the winter display of beautiful, beautiful holiday lights uh, are now online, and you can uh, reserve those and and get your organize your family and friends and get a whole gang out there. So, super absolutely cool. easy to get to. Just head west on Highway Five yes. to Forty One, basically, right. uh, and you're almost there. All right, uh, our phone number is also our text number six five one four six one nine two two six. Uh, this texter says, I had very few blossoms on my endless summer hydrangeas this year. Watered, fertilized regularly. Should the bushes be cut back and when? So endless summer are a type of, uh, they're hydrangea macrophylla. And those uh, those hydrangeas will, one of its big features is that they rebloom on both old and new wood, meaning that they bloom on last year's growth and they'll bloom on new growth next spring. So uh, you can do whatever you want. You can cut it down. You can wait and see how it emerges in the spring. And it sounds like you're doing all the proper care. My only question would be, have the plants become shaded more than uh, maybe they were when you first planted them? That's something that, you know, that kind of happens. We don't even really notice it sometimes in our gardens. But a tree has gotten bigger that's planted nearby. A neighbor's shrub has started to shade part of your yard. And we don't really notice it. And then we start to see that, that plants are not blooming as well. So that's that's would be the question I would ask about why they're not blooming as much. You may not have enough sun. Okay. Let's get back to the phones, uh, Julie. I do believe uh, Bob is calling in from uh, Champlin this morning. Uh, good morning, Bob. You're on CCO. Yes, good morning to you also. Excellent show. I'm calling this morning. We have low-profile shrubs that are they kind of grow sideways, and I cover them up every year with burlap, but now it's getting they're a little bit too wide, to, and they're kind of going over our sidewalk that into our home. Is it okay if I prune them around, not knock off about six or eight inches on either side so I'll be able to get the burlap on there okay? 
Yeah, Bob, it would be better to prune them a little bit earlier in the season. Pruning them right now might, uh, you may not have a choice at this point, but uh, when you prune a plant, it prompts growth where you make the cut. And so you potentially could get some new growth. I don't know how long this nice fall weather is going to last, but that new growth may not harden off before winter. But I kind of feel like you're, you're kind of stuck, like you have to do that. So I would go ahead and, and just carefully prune them and then wrap them, as you said. Uh, next year, maybe decide to prune them a little bit earlier in the season so those that new growth that happens can actually have time to harden off before winter. All right, thank you for that call. Uh, this uh, texture wants to know, how can I preserve zinnia seeds to plant next spring? You can collect those zinnia seeds, and you can go ahead and dry them out. Make sure they're dry and then put them in, say, a little an envelope or a little paper bag and put them in a cool location like in a refrigerator. So just making sure that they're completely dry uh, before you package them up is most important or they could mold. Okay. How do I, this texter says, keep my six-foot braided trunk hibiscus tree until next spring? The only space I have inside is a spare bedroom that gets morning sun or a dark basement. What do you think Boy. of that situation? Uh, well, the, the spare bedroom sounds better because it does get morning sun. You could also purchase a grow light and supplement light. Uh, there's a lot of different kinds of, of grow lights available. You can buy bulbs that fit into a floor lamp fixture, for example, and then just position it so that it's on the plant in that spare bedroom next to the window. So you can do that. Um, you just keep it over winter. It'll bloom inside. It'll uh, relief out. You'll probably drop some leaves when it first comes in, but they'll come, they'll grow back. And then, uh, yeah, just keep watering it like you would a house plant. Hey, we have our creeping Charlie question of the show. <laughs> Julie, can I've I still, seen those for a while. <laughs> yes, it's been kind of quiet. Can I still treat key, uh, creeping Charlie in my yard given these nice couple of days? You could, yes. I think uh, with the temperatures that we have, just looking at the weather here, I think you could probably still treat Creeping Charlie. Okay. Uh, another listener wants to know, where can you find clean straw? <laughs> yeah. Well, I would uh, contact a local garden center about that. They do sell, some sell straw bales, and that's where I would start with, with them. Sometimes people sell it, but it's... Um, it's good to go through a garden center. It might be easier for people. All right. This listener, Julie, says uh, we have about a four-by-four-foot area of lawn that we would like to get rid of to plant flowers next year. Should we cover that with plastic over the winter? No, it's not going to help over the winter. So uh, you're talking about solarization where uh, the, the plastic that you put, you put down a clear plastic and solar energy from the sun heats up that space underneath the plastic and will kill off any and everything under that plastic. So a few things about solarization. You have to do it in the warmest time of the season, which is July, and you need to seal down. You want to wet down the area with water to increase the humidity, and that increases the temperature. And then you want to seal down the edges of that plastic so you don't get any wind blowing under there and cooling it. And let it sit there for on that four by four area for you know four to six weeks. You'll see it start to die down. Remove it and then remove the vegetation, and you should be good to go at that point. Do bear in mind that that the temperature can really heat up in that soil. There was a Cornell study where, or was it 
might have been Purdue, where they heated up, uh, they did solarization, and the soil temperature in the top few inches was over 100 degrees. Wow. So it kills off everything. It kills off the microbes in that soil, at least in the top areas of the soil. So you're going to want to reintroduce maybe some good compost or something that adds micro microorganisms back into the soil to make it a good area for whatever it is that you're going to do with it. Let's go back to the phones uh, before we take a break. I believe Catherine's calling in from Blaine this morning. Catherine, thank you for waiting. What, what's your question for Julie? Well, good morning. Uh, yes, I okay. So I planted a hydrangea this uh, spring, and it did really well this summer. And now I'm wondering, what do I do with it? Uh, do I cut it off, or how do I how do I take care of that? So good question, and we had that earlier hydrangea question too. So hydrangeas, great shrubs. Uh, there are hardy hydrangeas, which we plant in our landscape, but we also have florists hydrangeas, which are not hardy here. So you just need to know, do I have a hardy hydrangea that I bought at a garden center and it's a landscape plant, or do I have one that's more of a potted hydrangea? People do mix them up sometimes, so I always want to make that statement. Uh, at this point, if it's a hardy hydrangea, you can just leave it, through the winter. They have great flower form uh, that adds something to our winter landscapes, which are pretty bleak. And then in the spring, you can go ahead and just cut back and cut off those dead flowers. We happen to have a great video on pruning hydrangeas. And it talks about the three species of hydrangeas that we grow most commonly in our Minnesota landscapes. We show you how to prune them. We talk about when to prune them. Uh, and so I would recommend taking a look at that video. It's on our Pruning Hydrangeas webpage. It's under our Trees and Shrubs section on extension.umn.edu, Yard and Garden. All right. <clears throat> we will mention that website again before Julie yes. takes her leave today. Uh, let's take this quick break. We have a more Smart Garden show to come. By the way, in the 9 o'clock hour, Andy Lindis will be answering your home improvement questions. So keep that in mind as we move straight ahead here. On a Saturday morning on News Talk 830, this is WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden show here every Saturday on CCO in the 8 o'clock hour, welcoming your phone calls and text messages pertaining to lawns and gardens. Uh, Julie Weisenhardt from the U of M uh, helping you out today. 651-461-9226. Oh, we still have a bunch of text messages Great. to help folks out here. Julie, let's see. Uh, if I continue, Texter says, to cut my crab apple suckers, will they eventually stop coming up? No. <laughs> no, they no. won't. You'll just have to keep trimming them back. And don't treat them with anything because you'll be treating the tree. Oh, yeah. And you certainly don't want to harm the tree. So, yep, just keep snipping them back and, and uh, yeah, hopefully they'll start to reduce, but, but don't count on it. Julie, another listener wants to know, how do you get rid of thistles? Oh, my goodness. Thistles are so difficult. Thistles are perennial plants, and uh, they have very long tap roots. Canada thistle is, uh, several are listed, but Canada thistle is listed on our noxious weed list with the Minnesota Department of Agriculture. So we are obligated to control them in our yards and gardens and landscapes. Uh, the problem with a lot of these thistles is the roots go down a couple of feet, like in Canada thistle. And if you, if you were able to take a slice out of the soil by can that's uh, part of a Canada thistle colony, you would see these roots go straight down and then across. 
So they connect at the, they come down in the soil and then they go horizontal and then they pop up more roots in other areas, which is how they are so efficient at growing a colony and so darn difficult to get rid of. The only thing you can do with thistle, and I know I'll probably get some pushback from listeners, but is treat the thistles with a pesticide, with an herbicide. And you're going to want to use a a combination of glyphosate and triclopyr to treat those thistles. So they are very difficult to get rid of. People have tried solarization. They have tried uh, vinegar. They have tried um, cutting and cutting the thistles. Um, It's very difficult to get rid of them because they have such deep root systems and so complex. Julie, here's a question from a listener who I should say they're a listener. I'll, I'll tell you why in a minute. I'd like to transplant three Russian sages. May I do so now? Or wait till the spring. They've outgrown their area. Yeah, Russian sage is tricky to, to transplant. It uh, does not like to be moved once it's established. So you can try. Uh, you, I would not do them now. I would wait until spring before they break bud. So they're a little bit woody. They're a semi-woody herbaceous plant. And, uh, and I would wait until spring and before they open up their leaves and move them then. Right now, if you move them, you can water them for maybe a little while longer, but they because they're woody, you really want to really take care of them after you plant them. You want to water them well, make sure they have lots of room, lots of light, and uh, let them have the growing season next year to reestablish. The reason I say dedicated, this texter also says, I have a three-inch notebook of notes from this show from, nine, oh. uh, from 2017. Wow. <laughs> How about that? That's dedication. That's listener of the year, I yeah. think. Yeah. <laughs> this uh, listener was given an orchid. How do I care for it? Okay. I'm uh, I'm going to jump off the cliff and say it's a moth orchid because they're usually the most common. Um, orchids are epiphytes, meaning that they grow on other plants and they take their nutrients from the moisture in the air and on the bark of the other trees. They're not parasitic. Um, but they do kind of cling to other plants with their roots. And these plants, uh, so knowing that, these plants like a lot of air in their roots. So we plant them in a soilless mixture. Uh, We use fir bark or just an orchid mix that you can buy. And that means also that they need to be well-drained and they do not like to sit in water. That is the main reason that orchids usually fail is people think because they're kind of exotic that they need tons of water and they can just sit in water and you don't want to do that so so as you want to let them completely dry out between waterings and then set them in the sink and let them drain really well choose water carefully too tap water often contains additives that that we put into our water systems that are not terribly appreciated by the orchids so go ahead and purchase reverse osmosis water from your grocery store or distilled water, buy an orchid fertilizer and use it at half strength when you water those orchids. And you'll probably have to repot these orchids uh, in a couple of years when that bark starts to break down and get kind of soil-like. And then you'll want to put in fresh bark. I have to do that now. Your orchids are great outside too in a shady spot. Uh, through the summer. They really enjoy that. The rainwater is great for them, the air, everything. 
Um, and so that's kind of taking care of an orchid in a nutshell. <laughs> okay. Julie, we have less than two minutes to go on the show real fast. What's the best time to prune boxwood? Is it too late in the season now? Yeah, I would hold off on pruning. Boxwood really doesn't need too much pruning unless you're shaping it. Uh, and I would go ahead and prune that in the spring. I haven't put down my step four yard care application texture says yet. Do I still have time to do that? You'll have to read the package, and it will tell you about air temperatures and the timing for that. Should be uh, we be watering spruce trees is another Yes, text. yes. Please water your evergreens especially. Uh, they need to hang on to their needles. Those needles continue to photosynthesize through the winter. So, yeah, definitely be watering evergreens up until either you have to turn off your water or it, or the soil freezes or both. Tell us once again how to get in uh, touch with that great uh, university website, if you would. Extension.umn.edu. Go to Yard and Garden. We have a uh, hot new series of articles on our Yard and Garden news. And uh, definitely take a look at that. You can subscribe to that and get an alert from us every time we put out some new information. Get out to the Arboretum. Uh, get a reservation at arb.umn.edu. It's a great weekend. And next week will be nice, too. It's going to be in the 50s. It's going to be beautiful out there. And Julie, for those that don't know, plays in a group called the Abiders. Yes. When's their next gig, you guys? Our next gig is at Lupine Brewing in Delano on November 3rd. And then, of course, the infamous Tonka Brew Fest on Saturday, November 5th with the whole band. We'll be out at Galewoods Farms. You can get tickets at TonkaBrewFest.com. Oh, it's so much fun. You guys are great. Julie, thank you uh, again, and we'll talk to you real soon, I hope. I'll see you on the 5th. Good deal. I'm on. You got a deal. Okay. Thanks, Julie. Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. Again, Andy Lindis answering those home improvement questions. Get those ready for next hour here on News Talk 830 WCCO. 45 now in the Twin Cities. We're heading to near 80. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.